don't you think I'm joking? That's the truth. I just got released from prison. Oh my God! This is the way my day's been turning out. Oh. Oh, actually, it uh, it reminds me of a joke. Do you want to hear it? Tell me. Rhyming up the night. All right. An unmarried woman. Uh, she... Wait a minute. That's not it. An unmarried woman. Come on, get the joke she straight, Dom. Shut up! Shut up! Let me do it. Uh, an unmarried woman. She meets a guy, and he tells her he just got out of prison. Uh, what'd you do? She asks. I hacked my wife in a 52 pieces with a <laughs> She says, so you're single? Oh, that's even funnier. Thank you. Uh, can I ask you something? What? What did you do? I knew you were going to ask that. Uh, I hacked my wife into 52 pieces. <laughs> I was afraid you were going to say that. Well, I'm a very small person, so you know me. Well, maybe I can hack you into yeah, 40 pieces. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what did you do, really? No, really. What? But what did you do? <laughs> <laughs> you ghouls know our next performer from the Speak All Evil podcast, Instagram. Clubs and colleges all over the East Coast. Give it up for the one and only human centipede. Let him know, everybody. Let him know. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks a lot. You, you guys are great. I uh, I actually just flew in to uh, talk about horror comedy, and boy, are my arms severed. Huh? Seriously, folks, what's the deal with horror comedy? Right? No, 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 no. I kill, I kill. Uh, but seriously, in most horror comedy movies, there's uh, typically a lot of self-satire or parody of traditional horror film conventions that uh, it's in an affectionate way. It's almost uh, a joke for genre enthusiasts, but also sometimes uh, can be more accessible to pedestrian viewers. That's you guys. <laughs> just killing, just killing. I'm I, I just killing. I love you guys. Uh, horror comedy invites you to openly laugh. Well, openly laugh. Is this an audience or an oil painting? Um, at the fears and the nightmares and terrible things, uh, take my podcast, uh, for example. Please. So, without further ado, the show you guys are waiting for, episode 11, Horror Comedy. Thank you, guys. Thank you guys very much. You've been great. Take the servers. Try the veal. I'll be here all week. Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I am Trent. I am back down in the bunker. Um, I am talking via satellite with Kevin, Kat, and Dave. How's it going, guys? Good. How you doing? Good. Hi, guys. Good. Good. Uh, I'm getting a little squirrely. It's been a month now in uh, in lockdown, isolation, shelter in place, quote unquote. Um, it's fine, but I miss you guys, and I miss um, you know, like I had to put a mask on and go into the store today. It seemed like not that necessary, but I didn't want to get anyone to like dirty looks and like anyone to take a picture of me and post it on the internet. Like, look at this guy; he's in the store. He doesn't have a mask on. <laughs> What, what a jerk, even though there's nobody else. Sure. You know, even though there's nobody else in the store whatsoever. Um, how are you guys feeling? 
I mean, if you want to see like real panic, uh, the the local liquor shop is only letting three people at a time in. <laughs> you want to see some motherfuckers sweating in a parking lot, standing six feet away? <laughs> Just drive by Broadway Variety any time of day. <laughs> I'm doing good. Um, I'm actually getting less social. I'm actually getting more into this whole thing. Like I'm fine not seeing anybody. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of troubling me. It shouldn't. It shouldn't. I like this for you. I do. I do. I, do. <laughs> I like it for you. Cat, how, how's it hanging? You you're all right? I'm fine. Today's been a day, for sure. It's a little tough sometimes to um, separate horror comedy from just regular horror because a lot of horror has a lot of wink, wink. Um, nod in it um, so that's what we tried to focus on this week and everybody picked what they felt like was a solid horror comedy pick uh, Dave what, what, did you, what were you coming at us with this week my pick for horror comedy was one of the, the first horror comedies uh, I had seen uh, is Meet the Feebles uh, Peter Jackson 1989 um, it's very easy to summarize. It's like the Muppet Show, literally on crack. <laughs> meet the feebles, meet the feebles. We're not your average, ordinary people. Meet the feebles, meet the feebles. It reminds me of like, uh, like Showgirls or like. <laughs> Like one of those movies where they show like this seedy underbelly of like trying to get into the business. And it's like that, but with uh, Muppets and this like this Muppet show, essentially, that, um, you know, a few different characters are, are trying to break into. And some are deteriorating from the lifestyle of uh, being a Muppet, the, the sex, drugs and rock and roll of being a Muppet. What I thought was cool about this movie is that... Uh, this was early on. There, there weren't like a lot of like adult cartoons. I, I feel like this may may have started a lot of that. Uh, the irony of oh, this looks like a really nice children's show, but the characters have AIDS and they're shooting heroin. And you know, you see a lot of that now. You know, I don't think there would be you know South Park, um, American Dad, whatever Family Guy, all that stuff. Uh, comes from, you know, I don't, I, I don't know that they also meet the Feebles, but meet the Feebles to me was early, early. Probably they probably did. Yeah, it certainly seems like it. I love that we keep coming back to Peter Jackson, <clears throat> whether one of his movies is one of our picks uh, or he just keeps kind of coming up through this. Um, I love when I was looking up like the history of this movie, when it was originally marketed, a number of countries actually marketed it as from the creator of bad taste comes a film with no taste at all. Oh. <laughs> it's very dark. It's super fucked up. It's a lot. Yeah, so it's 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 all Muppets. I don't know if we made that clear. It's it's literally all Muppets. No, I think. it's not. It's not Muppets. It's puppets. Oh, puppets. There's Sorry. no oh. Jim Henson yeah, added on to this. Such, I is that am. Like when my dad. My dad goes somewhere that is not McDonald's and orders like McNuggets <laughs> or like a McMuffin. <laughs> like dad. <laughs> uh, I take the McNuggets. <laughs> This is another movie where, like, like we talked about with Bad Taste, where 
Uh, it did. It didn't get a lot of attention. It was a total bike box office disaster. Um, but obviously, after Peter Jackson had Lord of the Rings and King Kong and stuff, like I really love trying to. I wish I was a fly on the wall for some of these people that are watching, like these old Jackson movies. After they saw Lord of the Rings, and they were like, <laughs> "Yes, go Frodo!" And then they see like Meet the Feebles, and they must be like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. Hi. Hello. Uh, and then. It, yeah, in 2018, it got it got another huge jolt of publicity because uh, Melissa McCarthy put out uh, the Happy Time Murders, which is an oh. um, eerily similar movie to Meet the Feebles, only way less mm-hmm. fucked up. I don't think you can get more fucked up. No, you really can't. Um, it it does it doesn't even walk the line. It's just purely drenched in very poor taste and. At first, it, like, makes you feel gross, and then the more they keep pounding away with, like, the very, very, very horrible things, it gets funny after a while. But there's a point in the middle there where you really feel kind of crappy watching this movie. I think, I mean, I think, first of all, I felt crappy watching the movie the entire time. I think the (laughs) the middle, I definitely hit, you know, I thought I hit rock bottom. But then for some reason at the end, there's a scene um, that I won't go into detail on, but it reminded me of um, a very horrible true crime incident that happened back in uh, 2012. And I was like, man, I know that Peter Jackson couldn't have possibly guessed what was going to happen in 2012 back in 89. But it really I finished this movie um, almost feeling as bad as I did after watching like a Serbian film. Dude, what are you guys... Okay, wait a minute. Seriously. Seriously? <laughs> Honestly? I was gonna let I was gonna let you two and Kat weigh in before I do. Kat, do you want to jump in here? Because I, I can't... I don't even know what I'm listening to right now. Why don't you go... I don't know what you have to say about this, but I'd like to hear it first. Okay. Um. So I went into this movie trying very hard to like it because Dave always says that I hate his picks. <laughs> So I was like, this is it. I'm going to fucking love this movie and I'm going to have all these awesome things to say about it. And he's going to bite his little tongue. Yeah, I did not like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Surprisingly, to everyone's surprise. Um, I think maybe I just like the Muppets too much. Like I watch uh, a Muppets Christmas Carol every year and Muppet Treasure Island is like one of my top 10 films of all time. So, this was a little rough for me. I just felt icky the whole time. I felt very stressed. There was a weird drugging Muppet, oh, sorry, puppet scene. I don't want to, you know, it was it was a lot. But I feel like Trent has a lot to say about this, and I, I think he needs to get it out. Well, one thing I would like to add is, I think Trent may have been with me for this, but, um... Uh, like probably my daughter's like 13 now so probably almost 10 years ago I brought her to see Sesame Street on ice and we saw Sesame Sesame Street on ice and then uh, I took her to her mom's and she was with her mom for the night and I went out with some friends drinking and the cast of Sesame Street on ice showed up at Brian Baru and they all got super drunk and they were doing drugs and and uh, Sean, the bartender, 
he hooked up with Big Bird. <laughs> and it was like, I was like, what is going on here? The Wiggles, you guys remember? Kat, you might remember the Wiggles. Oh, I remember the oh, Wiggles, God. yeah. yeah I wasn't a child when they came out, but I remember them. Well, I had a friend who um, was their front of house like production guy, um, and he said that they, they lip-synced everything, so he didn't really have <gasps> to, he didn't know why he had such a job, but most of his job was to get drugs for the Wiggles. So, what? it's dark, yeah. They would be sure. super yes. tripping uh, when they so were filming do. some of these. So I, I think Meet the Feebles not might the not be that far off. Okay, but, ima but imagine the puppets themselves doing all these things. Like, you might see Big Bird's innards drinking and doing cocaine at Brian Baru, but <laughs> not the actual Big Bird themselves on ice skates. Big Bird wasn't in costume, but it was still Big Bird. It was the essence of Big Bird. I also I also did a show, uh, uh, a late show with the Count from Sesame Street. Got to see like it's like two guys like stuffed under the the costume, and when they're not the Count, you know, uh, they're looking for a glass of whiskey and they're swearing like pirates. It's just it's not what you see on the outside. And sure. When I first saw Meet the Feebles, I hadn't been through these life experiences. And now seeing it, kind of knowing about the Wiggles and knowing uh, Big Bird's preferences in the sack, <laughs> <laughs> it got it, it was it had a whole different meaning this time. Um, I did find it to be very dark. I'm, I think that Trent's about to tell us that it wasn't dark and it was really fun, and he had a great time. <laughs> I, wish, I wish I could. I wish I could tell you that um, it was not dark at all. I, like and not fun. I don't really. I was expecting. I'm a big Muppets fan too, so I got really excited. I didn't realize I'd never seen this before, so I didn't realize it was like a Muppets takeoff until I turned it on, and I actually paused it because I was like, "Oh man, it's like a it's a Muppets thing. That's really exciting. I love the Muppets. I'd like to see the dark, seedy side of the Muppets and everybody." You know, I heard about how offensive, quote unquote, it is. Like, oh my god, it's it's so black. It's so evil and offensive. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to pause this and I want to get even more like I want to make sure I'm really ready for this thing. But I don't like I don't like there's there's a sex scene. Um, there's a few sex scenes. There, there's yeah. like, OK, there's some sex. Oh, wow. Um, there are some drugs in it. People do drugs like this is just like any restaurant. Like, I don't I didn't really think it was. <laughs> It is like working in a I, restaurant. It's just like working sure. anywhere. Like, oh my god, they swore. Like a guy is smoking a cigarette, and you know, I didn't really find it. I just, I thought I was gonna, it was gonna be like very subversive and like offensive to me. Yeah. And I was like, please offend. Can can something offensive happen? I, I'm waiting for anything offensive to happen. Um, I yeah. didn't. I just, it didn't offend any of my sensibilities, and I didn't laugh at all. And it wasn't scary. So I'm curious as to how it's a horror comedy. Like, what's the horror part? I think, a, I think comparatively to other, you know, movies or shows that you see with puppets, this is like, you know, the scary one. But I was also wondering why it was a, a horror film. I don't because think it's horrible. Think it I think we have to... 
I mean, I think we have to d- differentiate, you know, horror from scary. Um, uh, well, there's just horror. Let's just start with horror. How is it a horror? The, the way I thought it, of it as horror is because I saw this after I saw Bad Taste in the 80s. And this was the next movie by my fa- one of my favorite horror directors. And, um, and then I saw it and... Yeah, I think it's I think it's very dark and seedy. Maybe it's not horror, but I definitely thought of it for for horror comedy because uh, in '89 when I saw it, and, and like I said, this predates, um, you know, The Simpsons. But also, would you consider The Simpsons a horror? <laughs> Halloween. The yeah, Halloween. the Treehouse of Horror, okay. absolutely. Yeah, I they mean, had you know horror I guess, things. I mean, by I mean, that I logic, also think that I mean, you know when we get into like uh, the dystopian picks and some of like kind of the more sci-fi picks, there's a lot of stuff that's not going to be exactly in horror. No, no. I mean, we there, there's there's a lot of overlap, a lot of blurring lines. I just I don't know if like because Sam Raimi did you know Evil Dead one and two, if that means like Spider Man two is a horror. Movie. Oh, it is. It is. <laughs> you know what I mean? I is think it? we're also missing the fact that this is a musical. Oh, it sure is. We have not, we have not <laughs> talked about the fact that this is a musical with some unbelievable songs. And I'm, I don't mean unbelievable as in they're bad or good. But when you make me watch a movie that has something called the sodomy song in it, uh, you have my attention, Dave. <laughs> Are we going to do a horror musical episode? I would never suggest that. I'm glad that you did. Dave probably wants to fight you now. <laughs> I'm just saying, you guys are all musicians. I don't know. We could make our own. We could make our own horror musical. Guys, this is our moment. Let me tell you about sodomy. I almost think it very hard me. But I enjoy the act of sodomy. You might call it off a part on me. But if you try to, then you might agree that you enjoy the act of sodomy. So join me as I sing of an activity that's fun. Open up your ring. And try it from to Uh, Let's keep going in order here. Um, Kat, your pick. For horror comedy. If you can find it. I'm not asking you to dig up anything. Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Some might say it's the greatest horror comedy movie of all time behind Shaun of the Dead, which I would agree with. Um, This was directed by Eli Craig. Came out in 2010. It stars Alan Tudyk, which is a beautiful man. He is like an underground sci-fi actor that everybody loves. He was in Firefly. All that fun stuff. A Knight's Tale. R.I.P. Heath Ledger. Um, And then Tyler Labine, who was actually in this great show called what was it it was a it was like a show where he was like a um invasion like a reaper no he was a reaper he was like a death bringer oh yeah that show was called reaper perfect there we go he's reaper but he was also like a dead anyway great actor character actor beautiful guy um so this movie was good because it took all the um like horror movie tropes and like kind of 
uh, swirled it all into a situation in which these people weren't evil at all, and they were just falling into these terrible uh, situations in that people were getting murdered on their property. Um, Notably, right off the bat, Tyler Labine, Dale, is at a um, grocery, not a grocery store, a, uh, a convenience store, and all these hot college kids have rolled into town, ready to get their, uh, their boots knocked at the, uh, at the, at the lake for spring break. And Tyler Labine has this, uh, sickle for some reason. I don't really know why he has it. And he like goes to try to hit on these hot college people. And he's like laughing maniacally because he's very nervous, like trying to talk to them. So that kind of sets the scene of this magical situation. Um, it's two rednecks. They got a vacation home at this, uh, haunted house, apparently. And it's just, it's a, you know, it's a barrel of laughs. It's a real good time. What did you guys think? I, I like that it, it took all the stereotypes, uh, that are seen in 80s horror movies and took it from the other perspective. Um, I thought, I thought it was hilarious. It was my favorite movie that we watched this week. It was also the one that I thought was the funniest. Um, I was going to be very disappointed if this was not included in the horror comedy because it's a classic. Yeah. I've watched this movie many times. It's like one of my go-to, just throw it on in the background, kind of like Silence of the Lambs. You know, just throw it on when I'm feeling I was, I was so scared that no one was going to pick this, and I was so happy when you did, Kat. Um, it was made years before it was released. It sat on the shelf for three years. Um, really? And, and there were tons With of... With Alan Tudyk? I mean, Alan He's Tudyk... He's a hot, come and, on. Alan Tudyk in this movie doesn't exactly look like Alan Tudyk. Um, he's very rednecked up. Um, but yet, true. you had studios like Paramount, Lionsgate, um, Summit Films. They were all considering it um, as a wide release and then decided that it was that it was too risky to release a horror comedy. Um, and I think they missed the boat on this big time. I think this would have been a huge hit in theaters. I think it would have had you know, big time staying power like Shaun of the Dead did. Um, <clears throat> we'll talk about, um, you know, Happy Death Day. That was another one that just, you know, had huge legs at the box office. Um, this movie appeals to anybody, um, period. You don't have to be a horror fan to watch this movie. I mean, you can be a fan of rom-coms. You can be a fan of stupid teen, you know, comedies. Um, and then certainly if you're a horror fan, you get all of the nods and everything. Um, I, but I thought, I think this movie is, is, I would agree. It is, it is probably my favorite, like straight up horror comedy after Shaun of the Dead. I loved it. I'd never, um, I'd never seen this one before. And I was like, I was kind of skeptical, like the title to me, Tucker, Tucker and Dale versus evil. Like I thought it was going to be like a ripoff of evil dead where they go to the cabin and they like discover some kind of satanic thing, which that'd be fine too. But I wasn't really expecting the whole – I loved the um, the comedic conceit of, you know, what happens in the movie. It's, it's not just a horror comedy in that there is, like, a lot of jokes and humor and stuff, which there is. But um, there's an actual, like, story conceit about what's going on that kind of – it just turns the whole um, horror convention uh, on its head. And – I loved I loved how it was um, it was very true to horror movies. Obviously, the people that made this and this is a Canadian movie, I believe. 
right? Filmed in uh, Saratoga. Um, neighbors to the north, the Maple Leafs. Um, I loved, um, I loved how much uh, fealty it showed to the the uh, horror genre. Like these guys, obviously, were very steeped in in horror. Obviously, very true horror fans, and they played on a lot of that stuff. Um, but they really put their own like fresh spin on it, and um, I, I had a great time. I was really psyched. I, I'm, I'm surprised I've never seen it. I think, I think, you know. I think somebody already mentioned the fact that, like, right off the bat, they let you know that, like, Tucker and Dale are not the bad guys. Um, and I think one of the things I like the most about the movie is that there's no, like, there's no real suspense. Like, they let you know, like, right from the get-go, like, that it's just a bunch of bullshit, bad coincidences and circumstances and things that go on. And I think that lets you sort of enjoy the movie. I know at the end they kind of unfold, you know, I guess a quasi-mystery and, and a bad guy. Um, but I do think for like a solid, like three quarters of the movie, you don't have like, you're not using like this extra sense to try to figure out what's going on. They're like, they're just showing you what's happening in front of you and you can enjoy it without having to kind of, you know, put your thinking cap on and be like, you know, it's not a whodunit. A lot of horror movies are like reviewed terribly because they always leave people feeling really bad. Like people like leave the theater seeing like Mother or Black Swan or Hereditary and they leave the theater and they feel like crap and they say, I don't like that movie. Horror comedy is like, and especially movies like this, they, they shine a light on just what is good about horror movies. And then it's also more digestible for your average viewer to kind of see a, an homage to the Evil Dead, Friday the 13th. Yeah. So I, I like that about it, and I feel like it is more digestible to the public, um, which most of the movies that I enjoy are not. Yeah, I would say this is a more digestible genre for me personally. You know, a lot of, like, we're talking about Evil Dead 2, like, other movies like that, like horror movies, give that little nod to, like, comedy happening, but it's a lot easier for me to digest in general, when there's a little bit more comedy happening <laughs> than, than the horror part. You've had a great run uh, over these past couple of weeks on Speak All Evil. We've been having all the laughs, watching all killing it. the funny movies. No I, I can't wait to get back. I'm so sick of funny horror movies. I can't wait to get I'm back. I'm not. This has been I great. I want to get back some real brutality, some real like depressing shit. You're going to feel bad. You're going to go to bed. You're going to feel bad. And you're not going to feel good. No. No. You're not going to feel good. Oh, let's get some ice cream now. Now, you're going to feel bad. I don't want to set the world on fire. My pick this week was the 2017 uh, horror comedy Happy Death Day, um, which is a, a horror slasher film. We find a college student who uh, wakes up in the dorm room of a classmate on her birthday after partying too hard the night before. Um, and uh, that night she is killed by a person in a baby face mask and suddenly finds herself waking up in the dorm room over and over again 
as she is repeatedly killed and must find her killer to break the loop. Uh, this was directed by Christopher Landon, um, who rewrote an original script by Scott Lobdell. And one thing I thought was interesting is apparently Lobdell's original script was much gorier uh, and potentially scarier. Uh, Landon rewrote it and added a lot of the comedic elements. Um, the big star of this movie is Jessica Roth, who uh, ended up in the role of Tree, who was the lead character. Um, and one thing about Jessica Roth is she also uh, stars uh, with Katrina Bowden. Katrina Bowden plays uh, Allie from Tucker and Dale vs. Evil that we just uh, talked about. Um, she stars in a movie called Hold Your Breath, uh, the two of them, which is a, a horrible, horrible uh, horror movie. Um, I love this movie. Um, it was a huge hit at the box office. You know, it was made for under $5 million and earned over $126 million, which led to a, uh, a sequel, which I don't know if you guys watched. I've watched it a few times. Um, the sequel kind of ratchets up the sci-fi aspect. Um, a lot of things I see written about this movie sort of say it's like Groundhog Day meets Scream, which I would totally agree with. And then the sequel uh, is the same thing, but it sort of adds like this back to the future element. So um, I'm ready to take a beating. So you guys tell me what you thought of this movie. Um, okay, well, let, let me jump right in then, if that's the case, Kevin, because um, I, uh, I am, I'm a huge fan of this movie. I love this movie. It might be my favorite one out of the four this week. I invited you to go see this with me at the theater, and you, you scoffed and you said, oh, please, happy death day. It's PG-13. It's some chick flick. Uh I read on, on, you know, on guts.com, it's not very good. And so, I went, this is a thing that Kevin does. If, if you, Dave, you probably noticed this before. Like, when Kevin just does, doesn't want to hear it, he's just not interested in, in whatever you're saying. He, he says that he, he read it on a blog that it's not very good, and he just ends the conversation. Wow. Wow. So, I, I went to see Happy Hot Death take. Day. Yeah, at the theater, and I fell in love with it. Um, I would take issue with the star of the movie to me. Ruby Modine, um, daughter of Matthew Modine. I'm you know who I'm talking about, I'm right? Impressed. Okay. Um, no, I don't. I don't know who is that. Ruby Modine is the roommate of the protagonist. The protagonist who's is like Matthew a block- Modine. I don't. Who's that? He's some old guy. Who cares? I'm not trying to define you her. You just in terms- said. Yeah, it's a. It's an old actor. Well, yeah, so uh, it's that's Matthew- what I was wondering. I don't Ma- know who that oh. is. Matthew Modine okay. plays the uh, creepy. Uh, Doctor slash scientist in Stranger Things. Ruby Modine is the daughter of Matthew Modine. Um, and she is the roommate of the uh, bombshell protagonist in this movie, who I think steals the show. Um, she also is a dancer, and she has a band called Ruby Modine and the Disease. They have an EP from 2018 on Spotify. I checked it out. Um, it's music. They're probably they're probably not thriving with that name it's, right now. It's, it's definitely it's definitely music. I'm not gonna look. It's I'm not gonna say. Music. I'm not gonna say it's. I'm not gonna say it's good. I think she should stick to the act. Um, but I thought she was the star of the show personally. And uh, Kevin, did you catch the They Live Easter egg? I did not. What was it? Are you kidding me? In the um, in the dorm room, a Carter's dorm room, where she wakes up every day. I saw that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I saw that. Okay. I yes. see there's it. A, there's a They Live poster yes. okay. right yes. over the bed, which I really appreciate. I think that if I ever made a horror movie, God forbid, you have to have, at some point in the movie, 
you have to have a poster of another horror movie. So I really appreciated that right away. And um, I just, I loved everything about this movie. I'm really surprised to hear that. Well, yeah, I went to it. I hate Blumhouse stuff, usually. This is by far one of my favorite uh, Blumhouse releases. And I did go into it very skeptical. It does look like your average teen horror movie. Um, but I did think it was smart. And I actually think the sequel's even smarter. Um, and, and they pair well together. You can't not reference Groundhog's Day. Oh, no, is it Groundhog's Day? Or, yeah, it's Groundhog's Day. And Groundhog. Also, it reminded me, have you guys ever heard of Groundhog Day? <laughs> I love that yeah. movie. Yeah, it's great. It reminded me a little bit Groundhog Day. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, um, this is a lot like Groundhog Day. Shut up. <laughs> I would say I related to this movie a lot because I remember one time, I think I was in like the fourth or the fifth grade, I woke up on my birthday and I walked into the living room waiting to get many a present and smooches from my mom but there was some random guy there that she had picked up the day before. And so I felt like that was kind of similar in the feeling I felt in that moment in that she wakes up every day just being horrified that she's been murdered the day before. And I also felt that when I saw that random guy in my living room. Um, but also, I think my favorite part of this whole movie was at the end when everything had been resolved. Spoiler alert. And her boyfriend her new boyfriend carter was like have you ever seen groundhog day and she's like no i don't know what that is and he's like oh it's great so it's like bill murray she's like i don't know who that is and it's <laughs> just like this weird i found it interesting that that first like the character arc of tree because at first when you when you meet her she's like mad at this guy that she woke up in his room and i'm thinking like okay first of all you're in my room i don't i don't know what the <laughs> attitude you know, I don't know what the attitude is about. Like, she's mad at him that she is in his room. He's... I don't know. She's pretty hot. Eh. She's fine. She's cute. Really? She's I don't know. If you, were, if you were a guy that had a They Live poster on your wall in college, do you think you'd be getting girls that look like that? No, I know. That's, that's part of the conceit, I guess. That's the... I just think she had a lot of attitude to wake up in someone else's room. If you can't get yourself home, I mean, get out of my room. Why think... are you still here? You're I think, lucky I, if I have aspirin. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> I think Jess, I think Jessica Roth killed this killed this role. Um, she did. She's great. She did a lot of great things. Um, you know, the the first time that she you know walks up on, I, I guess, was a, a an ex fling uh, as she's doing the walk of shame from from Carter's dorm room. You know, you notice how uh, she throws out the line. Um, I mean, who takes their first date to Subway? It's not like you have a foot long. Um, she completely improvised that and then you know they do this you know they do this sequence where she wakes up again and again and again in carter's bed as she's repeatedly killed and has to relive the same day um so they shot every single one of those scenes back to back to back to back over two days and there's one where which i believe is even in the trailer so no spoilers she just walks the entire quad completely naked um, they were filming this movie on an actual active campus 
And she did it completely naked with an all-female film crew who just kept, like, running over and covering her up and being like, okay, we're good to go. Go! Um, and she said it was, like, one of the most incredible experiences of her life. I, I, I just, I thought Aww. she killed this. She did. She did. I loved the scene. My favorite part is um, there's that one, that final wake-up. It's not the final, maybe, but where she wakes up in, like, avenging happy bitch mode. And she knows every single thing. And she's just like going right down the line of what's going to happen that day and just telling everyone where to go and what to do. Uh, that was really fun. Like, I, I really got into that. And I thought she did a great job, too. The whole thing kind of keeps you guessing. Yes. Uh, it's one yes. of those movies where you're trying to figure it out as the character's trying to figure it out. They they threw you a curveball at the end. It was a little surprising. I That's the thing I liked most about this movie is it surprised me. Yeah, I think uh, for a lot of horror movies, I kind of fall into that thing where I know what's going to happen. Like, two, you know, like 10 minutes in, I'm like, okay, well, this is blah, 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 blah. It's like the, the horror movie, like, you know, um, recipe. Uh, but for this one, it definitely, like, it took me a little while. To, I'm like, oh, okay, well, it's that weird guy who's, like, a serial killer, and he must have killed her mom, and, like, all this weird stuff. And, oh, her mom must have died on blah, blah, blah. But then, like, towards the end, you're like, oh, wait, no, none of that was correct. I guess, I mean, I guess I'm contradicting myself from what I just said about Tucker and Dale, where I enjoyed the movie because it didn't keep me guessing the entire time. Um but this movie, I guess, is the opposite. Like, it sort of does keep you guessing the entire time. And I guess that's a, a, another big kudos to it is that I was still able to enjoy it in the moments because I think because of the the acting, um, all the actors and actresses, I think, were fantastic. Um, and I was, like, totally engaged and still able to kind of laugh while still kind of racking my brain to be like, who could this be? Who could this be? But I think one element is they sort of make you think you know, relatively early on that you know who it is. Um, and I think one of the things that could have made this movie so disappointing is if the initial, you know, obvious suspect had become the obvious suspect. Right. Well, that's the that's the thing. Like, when I feel manipulated in horror movies, uh, when I feel like they're, they think I'm dumb, and, like, they introduce these characters and it's, okay, this guy's there to die. This is the token black guy. This is the bimbo girl. Like, I end up resenting the movie all the way through because I know what they're trying to do to me. And this movie did not do that. This movie uh, was an American horror movie that this straight away from all the typical things that uh, they do, the recipe, like you were saying, Kat. It's very smart. Um, it's very clever, and it keeps you guessing, and yet it introduces um, phrases to you like, fine vagina, <laughs> which I don't, think I've, I don't think I've ever heard that before. And that, really? You know, no, I don't think... That's, well, you, that's the you thing. You like, it like yeah. 10 times in this movie. Fine vagina. Yeah, I'm into it. It's good. If well, anyone I'm, ever I'm said the that. words fine vagina to me, they would have been kicked out of my room so quickly that it's it doesn't matter. So, uh, Dave, I loved hearing that you loved the sequel even more because um, I was super disappointed when the sequel to this came out. And again, they upped the budget a little bit to like $9 million, but it still pulled in like $65 million. Apparently, Landon, the director, has a trilogy in mind. Um, but again, like you talked about like Blumhouse and like studios that you don't like, they're nervous about greenlighting the third movie in this, uh, because of such a drastic box office drop. But you can't tell me that, 
you know, 65 million at the box office and then whatever you make off of home video and streaming and stuff wasn't still profitable. And, you know, you could pull off a third movie, like find a middle of the road budget between the first and the second. Um, look, I love this franchise. I love the fact that you guys dug it. Um, I want to talk about it. I want to beat the drum. I want to see the third one made. I like that the uh, the baby face was the mascot. The, the team the was called the babies. Yeah. yeah, the college mascot. That mask. So that mask was actually made by the same guy that made the scream mask. Of um, course. Guy named Tony Tony Gardner. Uh, apparently, he made two masks for the movie. One was like a pig type mask, and one was like this baby face because Christopher Landon um, was expecting his first son at the time and had like baby on the brain. So they kind of like went back and they realized like the Saw movies had sort of done the pig mask. Um, so Landon wore the baby mask into work one day and absolutely scared the shit out of a coworker, um, surprising them. And he was like, yeah, okay, let's go with the baby mask. But um, yeah, I thought it was kind of interesting. The movie obviously, you know, pays, pays homage to slashers like Scream uh, and you had the same dude doing the mask. Well, you can tell by the way what is breakfast, Becky? What is breakfast, Becky? Is that chocolate milk? And then the second and another time, she says, we all miss breakfast, Becky. Oh, what is this, intermittent fasting? Jesus Christ. Sisters don't keep secrets. Listen, coming Comedy horror was One Cut of the Dead, 2017. This is like a low-budget student film um, by Jinichiro Whale. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, and stars a, a cast of total unknowns and amateurs. Um, this is made. This is uh, made in Japan, and it became kind of a sensation over there. And Shutter got the exclusive uh, rights to it, and it's been on there. Uh, for at least the past year or so. So I've seen it a couple times now. I really loved it. Um, it's kind of, um, it's it's not what you expect. The first time I saw it, I thought the movie was over after 40 minutes. And I was like, oh, that's yeah, that's an interesting short one, I guess. Uh, just a quick, quick 40 minute movie. Um, so it's like, but then it's not. It's like three movies in one. Um, because the idea is that it's somebody, well, I, I didn't even want to give away too much, but there's a couple different movies going on. And, and it sort of unravels over the full running time. It sort of unravels the story and you end up watching three movies in one because you're watching one movie, you're watching the filming of that movie, and then you're watching the filming of that movie is the movie that you're actually watching. Um, and it turns out to be a really funny, really good natured, um, really creative, reminded me a lot of the movies we talked about in the indie episode. It just made me, sort of feel um, reassured and uh, very positive about what people can do on no budget. It's made for like 25,000 American dollars. Um, what people can do on no money with just creativity and passion and come up with something really different and really interesting and fun that, you know, can go across the world and make waves. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think this, like you said, Trent, this movie was made for twenty five k, and it grossed thirty one million, uh, making history as one of the only films to ever do a thousand over a thousand times its budget. Um, I, I found a quick synopsis so that we're not giving things away that I think was fitting, which is, you know, basically in this movie, things go bad for a hack director and his film crew shooting a low-budget zombie film in an abandoned World War II Japanese facility when they are attacked by real zombies. And somehow this movie came out in, in 2017, but, but really didn't reach us until last year. Um, and I think one of the things that's amazing is that the fan base of this movie did such a good job keeping everything under wraps. So it wasn't like there were this rampant viral, you know, spoilers going out online. When this thing hit Shutter, I kept passing over it because I was like, whatever. And I'm so glad that you you picked this um, because it's literally one of the few movies that I've actually just sat down and watched two times in a row. Um, you know, I don't digest much on first on first movie watches. You know, other than like my gut feeling. Um, I couldn't quote a movie or do a deep take, um, but this made me instantly rewind it uh, and watch it again. Um, I, I'm also pissed because I, I don't know how to properly discuss it without giving it away. Like, there's so much I want to talk about yeah, this know, movie that that is. I realized like just before the episode, I was like, "Oh my god!" Most of my notes I can't even use because I mean, I want to. I want to pay respect to not only the filmmakers. But also the fan base that you know really built this thing up, but also just very respectfully kept it under wraps. The movie that was being made about the movie, it seemed like the producers, maybe they didn't know, or maybe it just happened this way. But each actor had idiosyncrasies that ended up being what made the movie. Like they had to work around all these idiosyncrasies of the actors, um, and then that, like by mistake made for great viewing the calamity that goes on in this movie uh is is contagious you after you watch it you feel like a bumbling idiot for like half an hour <laughs> so cat, the cat, go, yeah go right into the movie now yeah there you go yeah thank you i'm doing it yeah. i swear to fucking god well let me take a minute hold on let me just yeah get your notes the thing that that got me into this movie I feel like is that on the first you know the first like 30 or 40 minutes I was so annoyed by this woman screaming it was like a constant level of screaming through the whole thing and then without spoiling anything in the second act you find out why she's screaming for so fucking long and you're like oh I'm less annoyed by this screaming happening. But that was one of my main notes is that, oh, I wish this fucking screaming would end. What a fucking nightmare this woman is painting for me. But I thought I I thought it was a funny movie. I thought it was good. I definitely was annoyed for most of it until I found out what was happening. And then I was like, oh. But then I found another stressor from my film producing background in that moment of being like, oh, everyone's fucked everything up and all the fucking production people have to figure this out to save this film. And being in that moment of trying, of putting yourself in the place of trying to figure everything out and fix everything, I became much more stressed out 
than I should have been. And so it made for a, a, a more stressful uh, horror film for me personally. I, I, have, I have a hard time with Japanese horror because of overacting. Um, but in this context, it's perfect because they're making this amateur movie and like the really over the top teen girl that's just like, oh, yeah! oh! <laughs> the whole, it's like, kill me now. I would rather you die than have this film progress. Well, I actually thought it was, I, I actually thought they were kind of making fun of American zombie movies. Like, I thought they were sort of, like, throwing some weight around and, and dissing just the ridiculousness of some of our, like, modern zombie movies. Are we, you know, one, one thing that, uh, after, especially after a second time, I was left wondering, is it one, is it one shot? The first 37 minutes is one shot. It is one shot, yeah. right? Because yes. then they show you then how that whole one shot was done. Yes, the first, yeah. thir- the so first 37 good. minutes of this movie is right. a single I think that was a real shot thing. take. Okay, um, just for Dave, this is where everyone has cut out. And I'm waiting, waiting. Cut it. Should we should we do like a an ending though on this episode? I mean that was fairly abrupt. I don't know what you. Uh... I have an idea. Cue the studio audience. <laughs> a, a priest, a monk, and a rabbit walk to a blood bank to donate blood, and the rabbit says, "I think I'm a typo." <laughs> <laughs>